0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Pollution of Cowardice, South Jersey in the Civil War. I am your host, Dan Casella, and today I'm going to read you another account from Charles Ogden, a Cedarville native who served in the 17th Illinois. Uh, He writes his account about the Battle of Shiloh. He pens this letter on April the 11th, 1862, just a few days after the Battle of Shiloh. The letter is published on April the 24th in a local South Jersey newspaper. The Battle of Shiloh was fought on April 6th and 7th, 1862, The 17th Illinois, along with three other Illinois regiments, will fight under the command of Julius Wraith in John McClernon's division, and in the command of the 17th on those days will be Lieutenant Colonel Enos P. Wood Major Francis M. Smith. General McClernon will have General Sherman on his right, and under Sherman are Green Ohio troops, which Ogden will heavily criticize in his letter. When he mentions the Ohioans running through the ranks of his regiment, The men are most likely from the 75th and 57th Ohio, who, to be fair, were being hotly pursued by Tennesseans and Louisianans under the command of the fighting bishop, General Leonidas Polk. The 17th's first position, and where their monument resides today on the Shiloh National Military Park, is about 300 feet from the old Shiloh Church. They will make the Confederates fight for every inch, and Ogden and his comrades in the 17th went blow for blow. With what he would call the butternut jackets. Ogden's account has never before been released to the public other than the time it was published in the newspaper 160 years ago. An original copy of the article exists in the Lawrence Township Historical Society in Cedarville, New Jersey. Ogden had been in correspondence with his father and it is his father who writes a little pretext to this letter and also is the one who publishes or gets the letter published. The article reads as such, Battle of Pittsburgh Landing, or Shiloh. Although there has been a great deal written about the great battle near Pittsburgh Landing, I thought the following letter in reference to it, written on the battlefield by my son, might not be uninteresting to your numerous readers. He gives a straightforward account of the two days fighting, so far as it came under his immediate observation. Signed, DSO. Pittsburgh Landing, Camp McLaren in Tennessee, April 11th, 1862. My dear parents, I received your letter of March the 30th last night. It found me in good health and enjoying myself too as well as any person can under the present circumstances. We have been very busy ever since the battle that came off of here Sunday and Monday, the 6th and 7th of April, which I presume you will hear of the instrumentality of the general reporters. I am willing to tell you, however, all that I know. And that is not much, considering what was done, for any person who may choose to go into the ranks and fight the battles of his country knows but little more than what transpires in time of action than what he does in his own single self. Yet, if you receive a letter written by my hand, you know by that letter that I am still alive and, if need be, ready for another battle, though I sincerely hope another may not come off between the north and south and we have come to the tolerable firm conclusion this is the greatest struggle that will ever occur in the southwest before peace is restored. We have also concluded that the rattlesnake was carried up so high by the eagle that when he does get down again, he will be so bad off that he can never recover. I am told on good authority that they gathered all their available forces at Corinth, With the full determination of taking this place, let the cost be what it would, when they got their forces together, numbering, I am told, a 115,000 men, they marched towards this place, and on Friday the 4th, they made a large reconnoitering expedition around our camp, and killed some of our pickets, captured some, and drove the rest in. But on Saturday, everything was quiet, and we had begun to think that they did not meditate attacking us here but had come out scouting in order that they might learn whether we were coming on them soon or not. As the sequel will show, they were getting ready to make a general assault in full force. On Sunday morning, about daylight, they marched on us, and, to the shame of our generals, we were taken by surprise. And to fix the whole thing off, they had had all the Green Ohio regiments in the 1st Brigade of the 1st Division. Consequently, they were the first attacked. And they made a perfect stampede of it, for when our brigade was fully drawn up in a line of battle and ready to support them where they needed us, they came running helter-skelter through our ranks, some with arms, some with none at all, saying they were all cut to pieces when they were not hurt. Their foolish actions startled a great many others and even infected some of the Illinois boys, though they were rallied rallied and soon brought to action." But the Ohio boys could not be rallied again. How other Ohio regiments fought I know not, but if they did no better than those that were on our right, it would have been better for the Federal Army to have left them at home. Their running too through our brigade on the extreme right, consequently the enemy g- began to outflank us, and we were obliged to fall back to a better position. We did so and formed a line of battle again. We gave them several rounds, and then, and we, the 17th Illinois Regiments, fixed bayonets and were ordered to forward march. This was the order we wanted to hear the whole time. So we commenced hallooing and advancing towards the enemy, but we had not gone more than 50 paces when we were ordered to halt. We did so and commenced firing again. I looked around to learn the reason why we did not go on with the charge, and I soon discovered the reason. It was simply this. The other three regiments of our brigade—the 29th, the 43rd, and the 49th Illinois—had left the field, and the rebels were outflanking us on right and left, and at the same giving us a murderous crossfire. The boys commenced falling out by numbers; hence, we, the 17th Illinois, fell back too, and so it went with our forces all the morning. They drove us back over more than half of our encampments. About one o'clock. Our line was fairly established, and we held it by sheer hard fighting. One continual roar of musketry rent the air all day Sunday, from daylight until dark. Not a pause of ten minutes in the firing during the whole day. The artillery did its part well, too. Though we lost several batteries on Sunday morning, it appears from everything I can learn that the enemy's whole object was to cut us off from the landing. On Sunday evening... They made one desperate effort in that direction, but luckily our troops and the gunboats happened to be laying there. And when the officers discovered what was going on, they commenced their old game of, quote, shelling them out. And they shelled them out too, and that without much trouble. For the very sight of the gunboats is a terror to the, quote, butternut jackets. Thus ended the battle on Sunday. One of our big guns, however, kept throwing shell into their camps all night at a rate of one about every 15 minutes. During the night, the rain fell in torrents. We were completely drenched, but we managed to keep our muskets and ammunition tolerably dry. Just before night, we heard Buell had come with his forces. You may depend this was cheering news for a United States soldier, for we had fought them all day long, without stopping to fill our canteens, and the day was warm and sultry and we were nearly choking for water. My mouth got so dry, I could not taste the powder when I tore into the cartridges. On Monday morning, Buell's forces and Grant's combined opened a deadly fire on them. Yeah, we drove them from the word go. We charged and recharged. The jig was up with them, though they made several desperate efforts to withstand us. But all was in vain. The tune had changed, and we were singing it. Cheer after cheer rent the air. We followed them until nearly dark. We not only recaptured our artillery, but succeeded in capturing most of theirs. The road is completely strewn with muskets, blankets, knapsacks, baggage wagons, ambulance wagons, artillery caissons, dead men, wounded men, etc. for several miles out. Whether they have stopped to gather themselves together or not since they left here is yet to be learned. I do not know how great the losses on either side but the loss to the 17th Illinois Regiment is 17 killed, 122 wounded, and some missing. Company G's loss is 3 killed, 9 severely wounded, and 10 slightly. The 17th cannot muster more than 250 men fit for duty now, but I must close. We have been very busy ever since the battle in burying the dead. No more at present. This from your son, Charles D. Ogden, Company G, 17th Illinois Regiment. The Battle of Shiloh is really sort of a, a shock to the American public and to the American soldier that is going to experience the battle those two days. Uh, Manassas was kind of a, a, an eye-opener in, you know, what was to come, but Shiloh was really the first, uh, you know, here-it-is moment. Um, the men will write about how scared and terrified they were at Shiloh, and rightfully so. Uh, the fighting there sounds absolutely awful. history.com will cite the ca- the total casualties on both sides to number tw- over 23,000 men. Uh, although that's a little bit more than the Battle of Antietam, which will occur in September of 1862. Uh, this this was over two days of fighting. Antietam will be a single day of fighting. Um, again, this Shiloh will be a monumental fight uh, not only for, the cause on both sides, but for the men who fight it and for the nation at large. Thank you so very much for tuning in to listen to this incredible account. If you like what you hear, please uh, go over to Facebook and follow the No Pollution of Cowardice South Jersey in the Civil War Facebook page. Uh, if you really like this podcast, a, uh, um, a rating or a, a like and a subscribe or whatever uh, would be awesome. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you uh, hope you follow along and, and tune in for the next one. All right, thank you so much. Cheers.